0: Oh, well, good morning, friends. Good to be with you this morning here on this snowy day in Maine. I don't know what Pennsylvania is like. I don't know what uh, Rhode Island is like. I don't know what uh, Virginia is like, but we've got, I don't know, three inches of snow maybe outside in our our dooryard. For those that don't live in Maine, that's uh, our way of saying driveway, and um So, uh, whatever it is, whatever weather, we're able to set up, take a little bit of coffee today. Did you get your coffee? That's my coffee with just a little bit of cardamom in it, and uh, it's good for the blood sugar, and uh, Walter Huss says, and uh, Don says, rain down where they are in uh, Pennsylvania and Rhode Island, but... Your life, you're able to set up. You're able to take some some nourishment. You're able to listen in. You're able to participate, uh, even if it is precipitating. You're able to par- participate, and uh, we're glad for that. So, good morning to Priscilla, who's joining us uh, right now. We see there in the uh, in the comment section. There, uh, good morning to you as well. We are in the 14th chapter of the book of Corinthians, and we began it last week. We're going to finish it out, maybe finish it out this morning. It is a little bit of a longer chapter. Uh, God has given us all these unique spiritual gifts for the good of the body. They're not just for our own edification, uh, not just to make us ourselves feel spiritual. Not at all. They are given to us for the good of others, for the good of the church. And uh, some people had certain gifts, and what they were apparently doing in Corinth were saying, uh, I have superior gifts. Listen to me. I'm more spiritual because I have this word of prophecy I can speak, or I'm able to speak in these other other languages, this glossolalia or, or languages or this heavenly language we talked about earthly languages and heavenly languages last week that Paul does seem to uh, lay out here in the opening verses opening 10 verses or so of 1 Corinthians 14 and some were saying well you should listen to me because I I have more connection with God and uh, that uh, Paul really downplays that he says let's put it in order there should be orderliness there should be consideration <clears throat> and whatever your gifts are to to utilize your gifts for the good of the body. Now let me have us pick up at verse twelve. I believe we said we'd pick up at verse thirteen on Friday, but let me just give the, give you this. So it is with you. It says since you're eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. And I, I think that's you know that's the word that we need to really uh uh hold on to today that we would uh that we would hold on to or practice our gifts in a way, or uh, develop our gifts in such a way it would build up the church Now, I know last week I talked some about you know if you have to go away and learn how to speak in tongues, uh maybe it isn't a spiritual gift, but then I also said uh, we do have classes on preaching. Uh, to help people preach better. And the fact is, whatever spiritual gifts you have, uh, it's something that perhaps you can develop it. In fact, you, you go into what Paul said to Timothy, he says, fan into flame the gift that is in you. And so uh, part of fanning it into flame is putting it to work. That is that is part of fanning it into flame. Uh, another part could be uh Develop it. I mean, think through for me, how could I be a better teacher? How could I be a better preacher? How could I be a better, um, communicator? Things of that nature. And there, there are certainly things you can learn to enhance your gifts. Uh, you could learn how to, uh, uh, you know, do better as a greeter if you're a greeter in your church, uh, and, and that is such a significant ministry. Some of you greet at the at the coffee bar, and you're so very good at that, and so uh, reassuring and comforting, and uh, that's a great place for you. But to think through, okay, how can we how can we learn to? do better at greeting or how can we do better in music or how can we do better in fill in the blank, whatever it is. He says, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. And I'm putting just a little bit of a twist onto that and saying this, I mean, I don't excel in the gifts that build up the church. Whatever gift you have, seek to use it to build up the church and grow in that gift, develop it, uh, learn it, uh, read some books on it, watch some listen to some podcasts on it, uh, you know, uh, hone your craft. I mean, it would be interesting, and, and I haven't done it. Maybe it's something that Don would do. You know, the coffee ministry of the church. You do a little a little search on the coffee ministry of the church. I'm thinking coffee because I need a second cup, and uh, this is pretty good. I'm going to get another swallow. Grab your cup. Let's have one. Or... You know, you, you, that's something you could Google. I, I know there are books written about being greeters and ushers and things like that and, and the, the, the hospitality aspect of the church. So <clears throat> try to develop your gifts for the good of the body, to expand the body. And, you know, one of the things I think that we need to, to think about some uh, that we don't tend to think about a lot, and it's, it's not much in some of the language, and I want to surface the language, is how to multiply, you know, uh, how, how do we multiply our efforts? How do we multiply uh, our work? How do we multiply people? And, and just to think about that, and uh, I was—I've uh, had occasion to be in different churches, as you know, and uh, sometimes I'm seeing, you know, a, a core group of leaders perhaps holding on to everything, uh, and and really, what we need to be saying is, how do we multiply? How do we expand? Uh, ministry and uh, cause it to grow and uh, words like multiplication movement uh now there are, there are books out there. You could watch a guy by the name of Steve Addison, another guy by the name of Emmanuel Prinz with a Z at the end, uh, some of their podcasts or some of their YouTube videos to, to, to see what I'm talking about. But try to excel in gifts that build up the church. Verse 13, we continue on, and it says this. There Don found a link for us. It's it's there uh, over in the in the comments. Uh coffee ministry of the church. There you go. You know, just there's stuff out there. And just for the record, uh, Melody, uh, you do a phenomenal job. You and Lori are so disarming to people and so welcoming. I just, I want to commend you on that, but I'm just using that as an example, uh, of something that you know, there's all kinds of videos and links and podcasts about worship ministry in the church or about greeter ministry in the church or even about parking lot ministry in the church or letter writing in the church or all kinds of things to hone our craft, to develop our skills, to fan into flame whatever our gifts may be. Now, let me take us further into the text here. It says, for this reason, anyone who speaks in tongues should pray that he may interpret what he says. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So so Paul's even saying here that, you know, you you may not even know what's going on. Your, your mind is unfruitful. Uh, so what shall I do? Uh, I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. I, I want to camp on verse 15 for a moment, the idea of singing with our spirit. I mean, it is entirely possible to go through a worship service, uh, and uh, I didn't use the word charming about Lori and Melody. I, I, I don't think they're they're charming at all. I I think they're very charming. And uh, and, and Priscilla says this is talking about the ministry at Veracity Chapel. And looking at some of the comments over there, uh, they remember your coffee preference, and if you want, you know. You walk in the door and to have someone put into your hand your coffee preference. Now, it's not quite a barista style yet. I mean, we're not doing lattes and and uh, macchiatos or things like that, but to know you like some milk and some sugar or whatever and to have that put, that's just a, a fantastic thing. Walter Huss, uh, we can be the most important person as a greeter to someone who's searching for a church home and, and we all can and should be that person, and we all come to church alone. Uh, even if you come with your spouse, you walk in the doors, it's like, okay, who am I going to connect with today? It, it's, it's such an important part. Now, let, let me come back in, to the text, and verse 15 says, uh, I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with, sing with my mind. Is it possible that we sometimes sing without our spirit and without our mind? <clears throat> we don't engage either one. Uh, the, the, the situation I was in yesterday, the church I was in yesterday, the pianist had taken ill and, and gone to the hospital for heart related issues. And I, I didn't even realize the man that ended up leading the singing was her husband. And here he was so committed to being at the church and, uh, uh, to, to lead those songs. Uh, the pastor was, was away and, uh, um, and to be there to lead those songs. Well, his wife was in the hospital for, had just gone that morning to the ER uh, for heart issues. But we sang some wonderful songs without really accompaniment at all. Uh, and I didn't know the songs, but man, they engaged the mind. They engaged the soul. Even as we sang them near acapella, we did have someone plunking on the piano trying to keep us in key and, and, and those types of things. Um but to pray with the mind and 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 to look at the words on the screen or in the book, whatever it might be, in the hymnal, uh and, and to be so engaged in your mind with what they're saying about God, or the work of Christ, or the work of the Spirit, or or the love of God, or the grace of God, or the mercy of God, or whatever it might be, or the presence of God, or the goodness of God, and 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 to engage with our minds in worship. And not only that, but then to engage with our spirit. He, he tells us in, in verse 15 here, he says, uh, you know, what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit. I will also sing with my mind. And, oh, Lord, that you would help us to to engage more with our minds, to engage more with our hearts, that as we sing... That we would really seek to connect with you and not be worried about, you know, is it too loud? Is it too hot? Is is there too much bass? Is there uh, uh, that's off key? That's but Lord, help us to be able to lay those things aside so that we can connect with you. That is our prayer, Lord. That we would sing with our minds. That we would sing with our hearts. They would engage you in worship. Well, the text continues and says in verse 16, if you are praising God with your spirit, how can one who finds himself among those who do not understand say amen to your thanksgiving? Now, it says with your spirit. He's really talking about tongues at this point. Uh, He says, since he doesn't know what you're saying. And there could be many who don't understand. If, If you're singing in tongues and you are worshiping in tongues, loudly publicly <clears throat> to some people that could be very disconcerting now i have never been to a pentecostal worship service so so i i can't speak uh some of you perhaps have been to a pentecostal worship service uh and, and i love my pentecostal brothers and sisters now I, I i know that there i mean among christians there are those who are so you must be like us uh, or you're wrong that they don't have room in their, even in their soul, for loving brothers and sisters who come from a different ilk, same spirit, same Lord, same Bible, uh, but have a, a, a different persuasion about them in terms of spiritual worship and what that looks like. <clears throat> I will embrace those brothers and sisters. But Paul begins to get into it here when he says this if, if you're singing, if you're praying, in, a, in in tongue, uh, how can anybody else understand what's going on? In verse 17, he says this. He says, you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other man is not edified. And as we come together, it is not only for our own edification. It should also be for the edification of brothers and sisters who are present, that, that they would be edified as well in our worship. Paul goes on. Uh Verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. And he's speaking about a prayer language. It's what he's talking about here, okay? And some try to twist it all up and say, no, I think the context bears witness to the fact he's speaking of a prayer language. And, uh, you know, there are scholars who will say differently than me and who will tell me I am wrong, but I think the context, without uh, twisting it up, seems to indicate Paul speaking in a prayer language here, in a tongue. Because that's what he says, verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, stop thinking like children in regard to evil be infants, but in your thinking be adults. In the law, it is written through men of strange tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. But even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Now, what is he talking about here in verse 21, through men of strange tongues uh, and through the lips of foreigners? I mean, he's really getting into now the Gentiles. Uh, through, through strange tongues, he's talking about other languages. I mean, even we in America, we are becoming a place now In fact, we've been this for probably the last 30 years, uh, that other countries are sending missionaries to America they see america as the lost country and if you go back 70 years uh 80 years 70 years eh, 80 years yeah, 19 in the 1940s 1950s so that that's 50 53 years 60 years um there was a great missionary movement taking place in America. In fact, he, he even through the 1900s, and lots of missionaries being sent. But but we have lost our way in America, so that now when he says this through men of strange tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. Now now this people could be the Jewish people. Uh, those who have still rejected the Messiah, it would be people who are Americans speaking English, coming into to, to the land of Israel or among Jewish people and, and speaking in whatever language, Korean, uh, speaking in Chinese, speaking in uh, some African dialect, speaking in Arabic. Uh, speaking in French, whatever language it may be, coming to Israel to bring the gospel to the people in Israel who do not yet know Christ. And so in verse 21, he says, through men of strange tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. But even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Now, In this instance, I believe he is speaking directly about languages. And he kind of goes back and forth between the concept of heavenly spiritual uh, tongues and then earthly uh, tongues, the the, the languages of men. Uh, And he weaves somewhat back and forth between the two uh, in, in this passage. Let's get down to verse 22. He says, "Tongues that are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for believers, not for unbelievers." And now, now, what's he what's he mean by this? Tongues uh, for not for believers, but for unbelievers. Didn't he just say, "Don't speak in tongues because people around you might not understand what you're saying"? Well, what what he's now talking about again? He's back to the languages. If you go back to Acts chapter two, in fact, let me take you back to Acts chapter two uh, and and when the holy spirit was poured out the jewish holiday 50 days after passover pentecost it's a jewish holiday okay they were all together in one place suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting they seemed they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them all of them were filled with the holy spirit began to speak in other tongues As the Spirit enabled them. Now, now this, my friends, these tongues are languages. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Now, throughout the variety of captivities that, that began all the way back in the days of Daniel with the Babylonians. Uh, and then, then the the various iterations of the the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the the, the Greeks, the Medes, the Persians, the the Romans, uh, and the dispersion that took place. God's people were all over every nation. It says now they were staying in Jerusalem, God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. They were there because of the holy day, because of the feast. It says when they heard this sound. The crowd came together in bewilderment because each of them heard them speaking in his own languages. And utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who were speaking Galileans? They were from the region of the Galilee, perhaps even Capernaum. Uh, Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? And look at this. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia. Uh, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, which we know would be Turkey, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and other other parts of Libya near Cyrene. So we're talking about northern northern Africa. Uh, and he goes on and continues, and he says, Both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own languages. So this section speaks of languages. And and so when Paul is talking in 1 Corinthians 14 about these, uh, what what is being communicated, the tongues are for the uh, unbeliever. It's verse 22, tongues are a sign. He's talking now about languages and the ability to communicate the gospel into other people's languages. Prophecy, however, it's for believers not unbelievers. So when you think of prophecy, you think of Bible uh Bible exposition. You you think of Bible teaching uh being that type of prophecy and, and you know, so what's the worship service in the church for? Is it for non-believers or for believers? You know, and there there's a couple different models at least and let me give you the two two different ends of the spectrum. Those who say that the worship service in the church is for believers. The, the design, the the flow the the outline the teaching the worship is for believers and there are others uh, there was a movement called the seeker model movement which they built the entire worship service uh, all around the fact that we want to appeal to non believers where do i land uh, i land on the fact that i believe that, that sunday worship It should be the equipping of believers, and yes, there may be non-believers there, but we need to use Sunday morning in our churches to equip believers for the work that they're to do Monday through Saturday, and that we should tailor our worship services for believers uh, and equip believers then to reach non-believers at their dining room table or uh, at, on their living room couch, around the sofas, and and with with the coffee table and coffee in hand, and and or at Bell the Cat or whatever your favorite restaurant is. There a restaurant in Reedville? There's got to be. I don't know, uh, but uh, in that sense, prophecy, the Bible teaching. I mean, non-believers, yes, they can come and they can hear, but. Uh, we need to not water it down we need to take it up and i know i know there's all kinds of debate and argument that can, can come around the idea should the worship service be for non-believers or for be for be believers uh, and i know lots of people have been won through worship services i however am one who thinks that more people need to get won monday through saturday than on sunday and uh, the, that the work of evangelism would be the work of our lives, as as the Lord opens us up. And 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 if we would begin to do that, we would see multiplication. We would see movement. If in fact I've ordered, and when it comes, I, I'm going to uh, offer a workshop on on uh, how to share our faith. So let me let me finish out this little section, and I may have to come back to it again tomorrow. Uh, verse 23 says, so if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and some who do not understand or some unbelievers come in, they, will they not say that you're out of your mind? I mean, that could be your experience if you've gone to, even as a believer, gone to a, a Pentecostal service and they're all speaking in tongues. You might go, this is crazy. Um, and we'll get into tomorrow, I guess, since I'm going to go a third day in this chapter. Uh, we'll talk about the orderliness and the instruction that Paul gives. He says, but if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everyone is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and will be judged by all. uh, And the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming God really is among you. Now he's talking about, does Isn't that a, a change-up? Doesn't he say that tongues are a sign for unbelievers? And now he's saying don't speak in tongues? He's talking about the, the heavenly language. He's talking about that type of a tongue. He's saying if prophecy, the preaching, the exposition of Scripture is done in the right type of way, a nonbeliever might be cut to the quick in their heart uh, and may end up giving their life to Christ. So uh, his expectation by and large is that as believers come together, that the tongues speaking will not be taking place in the assembly, but it will be a time of prophecy. And we are now limiting prophecy down to mean Bible exposition, the teaching of God's word, Uh, not, not new, not new signs. Uh, That is the position I'm going to take. And I know I have friends who would take a, Different view than that, uh, but the tribes that I run mostly in would be in agreement with me that we're talking now the exposition of scripture, not not new prophecy. So prophecy meaning the exposition of scripture. Paul seems to be saying that that this is the type of teaching that should be taking place in our churches, with the end result. And and here you go, the gospel preached. Jesus made known, uh, and as he gets into verse 24 and 25, he says, if a non-believer comes in who does not understand uh, while well, everybody's prophesying, he'll be convinced uh, by all that he's a sinner will be judged. And in other words, as people are speaking scripture to each other. He says the secret of his heart will be laid bare. He will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God really is among you. I mean, I am one who thinks that, that we need to make sure we make the gospel clear every Sunday. And uh, to give people a chance to to respond to the gospel. I think that that's what we should do. However, <clears throat> I have preacher friends who say that they can they they can see the gospel in every passage. I, I'm not there. Uh, I'm, I'm really really not there. I I think that we can work the gospel in in every passage, but I don't think that in, in every section of scripture that you're going to see the gospel. Uh, now it. It all goes back to the gospel. It, it, it all has to do with the fact that we are surrendered to the gospel, but I don't see the gospel in every single passage. However, that is not to say that we should not give people the opportunity to hear about Jesus and respond to Jesus and join our tribe. Well, friends, the, hour, the half hour is up. It is time for me to uh, draw this to a close. Uh, I just want to encourage you with whatever your... Uh, spiritual gifts are. Fan it into flame. Use it for Christ. And all the spiritual gifts. It isn't like spiritual gifts are just meant for Sundays, folks. Your spiritual gifts might be used all week long. Live for Christ today. Lord, help us to live for you and our gifts and our abilities that we would honor and glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day, friends. We'll see you tomorrow.